talked a lot about it a lot this morning, but I want to bring it up again. Uh, this coming Friday, I'm going to have the honor of introducing you guys to, to a guy that I've known for a few years now, uh, to Dr. Jerry Taylor uh, at the Twin Cities Discipleship Conference. So if you haven't registered, do that just right now. Just ignore what I'm saying and register uh, because it's going to be awesome. But the reason I bring that up is because Dr. Taylor is a tremendously gifted preacher, tremendously gifted uh, minister, and so we've asked him to preach from Ephesians 4 when he comes up here. And there will be churches and people representing churches from all across the Twin Cities, a few from around the state, uh, and it's a really, really encouraging time. Uh, We think it will be worth your time. We think it will bless you. Uh, We think that it will just be an event that God really uses. Um, It's been bathed in prayer. We anticipate the Spirit of God to be at work. Uh, So we want to challenge you. We want you to come. We want to challenge you to uh, see if this will help grow you in your discipleship journey. Because Dr. Taylor is going to be focused on uh, Ephesians 4, I want to spend our time this morning kind of looking at the flow of the first three chapters. So I know that's probably daunting hearing, hey, I'm going to cover three chapters this morning. I don't think it'll take all that long, so hopefully that relieves your your anxiety about that a little bit. But I want us to do that by doing two practices. So this morning you probably saw on your chair a note card and there are a few pens around. If you did not get a note card, will you raise your hand and, and Gary will bring one to you. Uh, So some of the back rows were added a little later on. We're going to do a practice at the very end where you'll use the note cards, uh, and I think it'll be very good. If you have a Bible while you're waiting, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is a tremendous book. Uh, If you've spent any time reading the Bible, if you've read through Ephesians, uh, you know this. It's a book by Paul, and Paul begins, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a letter in which Paul is going to spend the first three chapters explaining exactly what God has done for these people, why God has done it, how it has worked. So the first practice I want us to do this morning is a practice that we haven't done. Uh, It's an adaptation of a practice that began in the third century, and it's it's a practice of reading and reflecting on Scripture. So what we're going to do is you're going to hear the same scripture three different times. The first time through, we're just going to listen to the whole passage. So just sit back and listen. Listen to the whole thing. See if you can let it sink in a little bit. Listen intently. After a few moments, I'll I'll signal that we're going to have a second reading of the same passage. And, And when we do that, the second time, we're going to listen for a single phrase Just allow God to speak through Scripture and see if there's a single phrase that comes out. Then the final time, we'll read it again, and and I want you to listen for a single word, a word that sticks out, a word that just resonates within you. 
I think it's going to be a good practice for us just to hear how significant these words are. I've asked Alex Olin and Alex May and Gary Thurber to read this passage for us. Uh, So Alex Olin, if you'll read it through the first time. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So having listened to that passage... The first time, I'm going to ask Alex May to read it again. And this time, I want you to listen for a single phrase. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Having heard it a second time, hopefully there's a phrase in that passage that just sticks out to you. It's just rolling around in your head. For a third time, I'm going to ask Gary Thurber to read this passage, and this time I want you to listen for a single word. Just allow God to speak through this time. Gary. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing 
in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family and to bring us into a, to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and he gave, it great, gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for his glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is his plan. At the right time, he'll bring everything together under the authority of Christ everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we, Jews, who were first to trust in, the, in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now, even you, Gentiles, who have heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, who he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he has promised. And he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Hopefully there's a, a word in that passage that just hits home. Uh, as I was listening to it this time, it's the word adopted. It, it's the chosen. That God has chosen us. This passage is the foundation for this entire book. So, so as we're preparing for Dr. Taylor to bring his messages, I think it's really important for us to familiarize ourselves with this passage. What I want to do the rest of my time this morning is just kind of walk through each of these chapters really quickly and just kind of show what, what I think the theme going on here is. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I think the synopsis of this is that Ephesians chapter 1 is all about us being in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, I really liked Gary's translation there because that, that phrase just kept coming up over and over and over again. That to be in Christ is really important. Because if we're in Christ, we receive divine blessings from God. That is, that is no small miracle there. Our identity somehow is now that in Christ we are chosen. We are holy. We are blameless. We are loved. We are adopted. We are people that have grace lavished upon us. We are redeemed, forgiven, full of hope, saved, sealed, and secured. All of that is part of the reality of being in Christ. And he concludes the chapter with this, this phenomenal verse in, in chapter uh, in Ephesians 1, I think it's about verse 21. I think it's two slides away. Um, 
So, uh, it's fine. Ephesians chapter 1, yeah, there we go, 19-20. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Church, he concludes by saying that in Christ we have the same power within us that rose Christ from the dead. Talk about divine blessing here. To be in Christ is to be chosen, it is to be loved, and it is to be given power. And we cannot lose sight of that. So he continues to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 1 is the foundation, but Ephesians 2, he asks the question, how? How did we get to be in Christ Jesus? And this is, this is really important to him. So the first thing he says in Ephesians 2 verse 1, he says, you were dead through trespasses and sins in which you once lived. He is saying that on your own, this is what happens. When you are apart from Christ, it is death. That is all there is. It is simply death. We were dead in sin. But it concludes in verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. We are redeemed and saved by an act of God's grace. It's really important for us, and I think for all people, to recognize that nothing we do makes us capable of saving ourselves. There is not enough righteousness within any of us to save ourselves. We have seen how God has chosen and adopted and loved us, and He also is the one who saves us. We cannot do it on our own. We are incapable of saving ourselves. But the question becomes, if God saves us, why? God saves us for a purpose. It's to bring both groups together. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says that He might create in Himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death the hostility through it. You see, one of the things that the Gentiles in in Ephesus would have been concerned about is that this God that they're hearing about, this Yahweh that they're able to know through Jesus somehow, is just a small regional deity He's the deity. He's the God of those people, but He's not our God. And here, what Paul is unequivocally saying is that there is one God, and it is Yahweh. There is one God, and He is the Father of Jesus Christ. There is one God, and we have seen Him in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus has done by dying on the cross, by saving us, is bring both groups together. It's no longer that God is just the God of the Jews. God is the God of the Jews and Gentiles. We have a God who tears down walls that divide us. And that 
is really important. We are not saved for no reason. We are saved for a purpose, and that is to be one new humanity in Christ. So Ephesians 3, Ephesians 3 then, is a reflection on the mystery of being in Christ. As I put here, it is a mystery solved. In verses 5 and 6, Paul says, The mystery has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body and sharers in the promise in Jesus Christ through the Gospel. We might be thinking of ourselves and saying, well, we don't have division among Jews and Gentiles. What does this have to do with us? I think we can recognize that we have plenty of division. And we are called to be in the same body, sharers of the same promise. This is no small call. This is the purpose. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. If we are in Christ, we are called to be one. Verses 11 and 12, he says, This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God, in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The good news of the Gospel, and hopefully it's good news you already know this morning, but the good news of the Gospel is that it is for everyone. There is no one for whom this is not good news. There is no one for whom God is unable to save. God can save anyone. That was His purpose from the very beginning in Christ Jesus. We have access to God. For Paul, this is such tremendous good news that it leads him into prayer. In light of what's been revealed in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul just bursts out into this beautiful prayer for this church. He expresses what he's feeling and what he's hoping for this church. He desires for the Ephesian church to know what he knows, to feel what he feels, to experience what he has experienced, and to recognize what has happened in Jesus. Church, looking at these three chapters, I think it gives us the opportunity to kind of put ourselves in that place as well. I recognize that most of us here this morning worship with this church. We worship in this congregation. Some of you do not. So what I've given you is these little note cards. And in light of these first three chapters, I just want you to write down, what is your prayer for this church? In a few moments, I'll I'll get up and, and I'll read this passage as kind of a concluding prayer for us. I've asked Alex Ritchie to lead a few songs for us. Uh, while we just kind of reflect on this. So I invite you for a moment just to reflect on what is your prayer for this church. What I'd like to do with these responses, especially for the ones from our church, I'd like to be able to kind of receive these back from you, pray these things along with you, 
probably post a few of them on social media this week so you don't have to put your name on it, unless you want me to know who that is, but really become a people who are prayerful for this church. So Alex, I'm going to invite you up. The rest of you, take time to write down your prayers. And we do praise Thee forever, Christ, we do adore Thee, and we do praise Thee forever, for on the holy cross hast Thou the world from sin. Redeemed Christ, we do all adore thee, and we do praise thee forever. Christ, we do all adore thee. so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust his cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him, Lord. Of all, or oh, that 
that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. Church, we are in Christ. And that is wonderful news. And in light of being in Christ, in light of what God has done for us, in light of His love and mercy and the salvation we receive, Paul could not help but to praise God and pray for this church. So here's what I want us to do. To conclude this morning, I just want you to rise and we will read together. Uh, I'll read for us, but we'll read Uh, verses 14 through 21 of Ephesians chapter 3. So everybody stand and we'll hear this as our concluding prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You're dismissed.